Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Who doesn't love shopping at Target? Did you know the all-new Target Circle is the free and easy way to get the most deals at Target? And when you pay with your Target Circle card, you can save an extra 5% your way every day. But wait, there's more. Now you've got a new way to save with Target Circle 360. With unlimited same-day delivery, Target Circle 360 is the fastest way to get your order to your door or someone else's. Right now, sign up for Target Circle 360 for just $49 for your first year of membership. That's $50 off the regular price. Visit Target.com slash Circle or the Target app for more details. Same-day delivery is subject to terms, applies to orders over $35. For 5% discount, restrictions apply. See program rules in-store or at Target.com slash Circle Card. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am all in. I am all in with Scott Patterson, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Scott Patterson, and this is the I Am All In podcast with iHeartRadio and 111 Productions. And so listen, everybody, uh, we've got a, a, a special guest uh, synopsiser coming in today to rep- to stand in, not permanently, but uh, Riley's a little under the weather. She's been brave enough and courteous enough and courageous enough to come on today to hand it off to the, uh, the very capable Danielle Romo to do the synopsis. So Riley, go ahead and hand it off in your inimitable style to Danielle. 
I just have to say, you guys are in great hands today with Danielle. She's going to give you the most beautiful synopsis you've ever heard. So, Danielle, take it away. I'm so nervous. Okay, <laughs> season two, episode seven, Like Mother, Like Daughter, air date, November 13th, 2001. And here's the synopsis. Rory realizes she is perceived as a loner, and her reluctant efforts to socialize land her in the most popular clique at Chilton. While Lorelai volunteers the inn as a venue for Chilton fundraising fashion show and is horrified to find herself modeling matching outfits with her mother, Emily. How did I do? That was darn respectable. I said pretty darn good. Riley, you can go back to bed and don't be sick for too long because this Danielle Romo has potential. As a synopsis, I'm coming for you, Riley. I don't know about that, but I tell you, that was pretty (laughs) tight. (laughs) I'm very impressed. It was amazing. Uh, Little NyQuil, um, right? You going to conk? Oh, you know, I I can't stay away from all in for too long. All right. All right. Feel better. Uh, We are going to break down Like Mother, Like Daughter, season two, episode seven. What an episode. I think Amy and I are going to lock horns on this one this week. We're going to lock horns big time. I love uh, this episode and I love you in it. But that's look, that that's great and I'm I, I appreciate <laughs> it. Um I thought it was uh I don't know, was it a little awkward for you at the top? Was it a little forced and a little pushed and I don't I know. Love was, everything about this whole episode. I laughed hysterically the whole time. At the top of the episode though. So, so You mean in the diner? Yeah, I mean you told me that. You told me that uh uh when we were going back and forth during the week which we do a lot. Yeah, you said I, I love this episode. Long. I can't stop yeah. laughing. And I thought is she talking about the episode because I watched the episode uh, last night and I didn't really laugh until Michelle <gasps> came on. What? Yeah, the jokes the jokes didn't land with me. In the beginning, between mother and daughter, kidding? it just seemed like they were doing shtick. Oh, it just seemed see, like it, it. it just didn't seem like it was real or acting, or it was just it felt a little shticky to me. And then I mean, Michelle that- came on and he did his thing about uh, you know I'll do this favor for you if you get me a, a cheese American cheese and a meringue <laughs> cookie, and the meringue cookie, and that's when I finally laughed. I was you know I was but like, that was pretty early on. That right? was early I mean, on. I, I, yeah, I started cracking up by the time. You know, Headmaster Charleston was telling Rory to get some friends Mm -hmm. and then all that with Lorelai. And then she has to join the boosters. And then you I mean, I'm going so fast, but I was dying laughing when the fashion show runway is tilting. And she says, I loved your work in Pisa, but. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. No, great. There were some great lines. It just, the whole thing just seemed a little, I don't know. There was just something. Oh my God. You didn't love the end the in the diner. So not the very, very end, but the end with you and Lorelai going back and forth about Eva, the, the booster mom. Yeah, it was fine. But I think it was very oh. pre- predictable. I thought, no, I thought that was very, that. very predictable. That scene. Of course, was inevitable. There's, there's, there's a difference between inevitable and predictable. Um, I just knew it was coming without a shadow of a doubt. I don't want to know that it's so on the nose that it's coming. Oh. I'm being too critical. I, I'm in a critical mood, and that's I, fine. I, it, it makes for great conversation. But I loved it from the moment 
that Brenda Strong, mm-hmm. Eva, who played the single booster mom, mm-hmm. says you're cute and muscly and strong or whatever. And Lorelai is immediately like WTF. Like, I don't like this at all. She doesn't even know why. Correct. But that's what I love about I Right. I know. Her feelings are so deeply buried that she doesn't know if I'm a friend or somebody she wants. And then I think it's 99% were friends and she's not aware of any feelings that she has. And they don't come to the surface very often. And it takes some kind of a situation. So you think I'm wrong about that? I don't, I think she's not, she's not sitting around waiting for me to ask her out. That's for sure. She's not hyper aware that she loves you, Mm -hmm. but who says to their friend, please don't date this person. Zero people say that if they don't have feelings for the person, zero. I agree. Zero. I agree. But I think, so here's, okay, here's what I'm, I'm not struggling with it, but you know, the realization that Luke and Lorelai have the kind of a flirtation that is already, it's already like they've been married for 20 years and they're sick of yes. each other. There's so much familiarity. Yeah. There's so much yes. comfort between those two that they just don't give a damn. Sort of. Yes. You know what I mean? There's that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go out, whatever. Boom. They're out. And, 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 and they can argue and he can get, lose his temper a little bit and she can lose her temper and, and it's okay. Totally. There's such a grounded totally. familiarity that it's like they've already been married. They and are they, the quintessential old married couple. They are. They are. They truly are. And that's how they treat each other. It's just, there's no. But with love, they're not nasty. The scene, to right, me, that diner Right, scene, right, There's no, like, we're not going to, so it's, so is it weird with, with these two, Luke and Lorelai, where there's a, there's no honeymoon phase. So we have, we have, you know, all of this familiarity and all of this, so oh, we're friends and it's sort of, we're, we love each other, but we're not going to acknowledge it. And, you know, we're very familiar with each other, like friends punching each other in the arm, that kind of thing and getting mad at each other. And then, then we shift gears and go into a honeymoon phase. Is that going to be awkward? But a honeymoon phase, maybe you're never going to have that. You know, I'm just saying if I haven't seen everything. Because it's like a honeymoon phase is like fake and who cares? And it's just BS. It's like these two are so real. mm -hmm. And I love that Luke pushed back on her. Because a smitten guy, like we kind of know you are, would have been like, no, I'm not going to date her. Don't worry. I'm not going to date her. I'm not going to date her. But instead you're like, excuse me, I'll date whoever I want. And it was just so baller. Right. And then she's like, <laughs> and you have this little fight. And then she's like, everybody knows how you get back to Stars Hollow. Like everyone. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing was so funny. <laughs> that was good. That was good. But yeah. you know who you can ask? Yeah. In the waiting room, do you want to reveal who's here? Because you could get some real insight. Oh, she's here already? She's here. We didn't even get to discuss the episode. Come back. We're to gonna her. come we're back. Here. Yeah, I'm not going. But it's anywhere. fresh. <laughs> I know, but sh- this will this will help it along. This is a uh, you know I have to get to this. Where's this rundown? She's very impressive. Very. She's like extremely She's a cool. Impressive. Lady. She's too. got so, so much. Cool. I can't, I can't even read her resume. Is so long and so interesting. I can't even get through it. It's like I keep stopping. Going. Are you kidding me? Wow. Um. Let's anyway. So we've got. Brenda Strong coming on, and she played uh, Eva in uh, Like Mother, Like Daughter, and she had a couple of really great scenes. 
And I understand that she is, I'm getting a note here that she's in the waiting room. Can we bring her on? Hey. Hi, Brenda. How you doing? Good. Thanks for coming on and, and playing with us. Two Emmy <laughs> nominations and two Screen Actors Guild's awards. Wow. I, it was I, all I, after we worked together. <laughs> See? It was all you. See? <laughs> See what happens? See what happens? <laughs> How you yeah, doing? Just rub shoulders a little bit. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Twenty years yeah. ago, we did that thing, and it seems like yesterday. Well, does it, it does. It does you know, it's right? so funny because, um, of course, you know, in pre preparation for this, I watched it again. Right. And the dialogue just started coming back to me, and right. all my cues started coming uh -huh. back to me. And it's funny how you know, as actors, we store these things in the recesses of our mind. And Amy Sherman Palladino's dialogue is just so snappy and i remember her telling me what a fan of aaron sorkin she was um and and also you know lauren said that she loved sports night so i just felt like immediately they welcomed me into that kind of amazing patter um that mm -hmm. they would have mm -hmm. and and it was really fun to see the episode again yeah it was um, right that was yeah. a fun that was a fun episode i had little problems with i felt it was a little forced in the beginning between mother and daughter it was just getting a little sticky for me um, I want him to lay back a little more on the acting, but it was just so. Which mother and daughter? The, Laurel, the older generation? No, no, Laurel, Lorelai and Rory in the beginning. Oh, all, I see. All, okay. the, the openings. The openings are hard, you know, and they do them very well. Sometimes they're a little off for me. I don't know. I'm, I'm being too critical, probably. But uh, well, also it was early on. This was season two. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think the problem, you know, I think that really comes in with the volume of work that those two had to do. And feeling like they had to be up, up, up all the time and getting the note like, hey, maybe it's, you know, it's kind of laying there. Can you up the energy and let's drink some more coffee and get some more? So I think this is one of the times maybe they drank too much coffee. Um, uh, and just in the beginning, though, just in the beginning, I thought the rest of it was masterful. But uh, I'm here to break them down. So how did you get the part? Do you remember the whole uh, process I, of that? And don't I don't remember if it was just a straight offer. Mm -hmm. I had done a series for Warner Brothers previously called The Help, not the film The Help, but um, the the short lived six episode comedy The Help. Um, and I think Warner Brothers just knew my work and said you'd be great in this. And I think Amy knew my work from Sports Night and. Um, I can't remember if I had already done the pilot for Desperate Housewives. I don't think I had. Mm. Um, so I think it was really just, you know, working with Aaron Sorkin kind of gave me some kind of stamp of approval. There you go. Because um, I don't remember auditioning for it. And I usually remember those. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I did a lot of them. What about, what about on set? Who'd you hang out with on set? Do you remember? Um, I hung out a lot with Lauren. Okay. Um, uh you know, I didn't have much work with anybody else. I mean, it was just that core group of, of boosters um, who I just met, basically, and then you. Um, it was funny because I was watching an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm um, this last season with Julie Bowen, and they were exchanging secrets as a first date kind of warm-up. And one of his secrets was a fast route to the valley from the west side. And I was thinking about the directions you gave me at the end of the episode mm -hmm. um, and, and how, you know, good directions are always hard. To find. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, you know, I think Lauren was very warm with me. Uh -huh. um, 
you know, the whole, the whole fashion show thing, it was so funny because people just assume because I'm tall that I modeled. And of course I haven't, but I can pretend I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I thought it was, I think that what I remember more than anything, that episode was the tension of the crew with the director. Mm. I don't remember the crew um, really enjoying the direction oh. that much. And there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Oh, that um, might, may have explained that opening. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah, were a lot of cooks some, in the kitchen on some, that episode. Something was and off. I, yeah. And I think the crew at one point actually left a, a help wanted sign on his windshield encircled oh my goodness I, it was really bad it was really bad wow. and i felt so bad for him because as you know you know guest stars and guest directors were guests so our job is to come in and do the thing like everyone is normally doing the thing but just add a little extra spice and i think i think there was just and you know it's certainly i have no idea if it was a, any fault of his or if it was just a chemistry thing you know right, it just right. wasn't quite jiving you know, that does, um, that happens from time to time. It does yeah. happen. I, I was on another series where we had somebody come in, like a, a, a celebrated director come in on a single camera comedy, and it just, that there was so much tension. And, and it was just, I had to sort of step up and say, hey, you know, look, we do this a certain way, and we like to block our rehearsals. It's sort of, you know, we don't like to be told where to go stand. You know, it's not terribly professional. I'm glad you have it all thought out, but yeah. we like to be organic about it. And yeah, like, we'd like to discover it. We'd like and to so, discover exactly. So it can be motivated. Exactly. By it's like pretty you know? basic stuff. So yeah, yeah, that can cause a lot of tension too. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials 
cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host. Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Any directing? Did you ever direct any of the episodes? Oh, God, no. Oh, okay. no. They wouldn't let me near that uh, show. As a director? I don't know. After no. a long run, you know, sometimes no. actors like. I don't think anybody ever directed any of those episodes. Ever, no actors. No, I don't, I don't think so. Lauren, no. I think if anybody was going to, it would have been Lauren. It would have been Lauren. But yeah. she didn't. And uh, she just had too much on her plate. Um, maybe she wanted to, and she would have been wonderful, but. Um, yeah. God, I don't recall anybody directing. Any, I, I I see this a lot where you know somebody. Did old, Amy ever direct any episodes? Oh, sure, I back sure. Look. She, she, I'm sure she did. I mean, first she would, of all, she would do three or four uh, a season, five yeah. a season. Yeah, Dan yeah. would well, too. Because she sometimes. knew exactly, exactly. They knew exactly what to listen for, what the rhythm was, where the jokes were. I mean, you can see it in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That that signature of theirs is just so evident um, mm-hmm. in the work that they continue to refine and do so brilliantly. Right. Um, so, you know, you can, you can kind of get the voice early on in those years and, and how it developed. Um, um, it's funny because I went on and worked with the costume designer, Caroline Marks on 13 Reasons Why. And she told me that she had designed um, the father character after her own father and had dressed him like she used to see her father huh. dress. Interesting. So it's fun how, you know, these little threads of, of relationships kind of cross over. I'm surprised we've never worked together again. It was a match made in heaven. And uh, there's, you know, <laughs> I, I don't get it either. I mean, my God, well, I feel like, 
I feel like my interest in you kind of sparked her interest and started to build that tension as the years went on. I'm sure, you know, you guys went through lots of incarnations of, of the tension field of the romance. Yeah, we, were, um, we were just discussing that aspect. Yeah. How we sort of treat each other like we've been married for 20 years and we're just kind of over it. <laughs> we're so familiar with each other that there's like, yeah, we're no, way past that. the honeymoon phase. And we just don't, I mean, I, I think I want it more than she does. I'm more aware of it and more conscious of it, of my feelings for her than she is of mine, for me, because she's just got so much on her plate and she's raising her daughter and she's running the inn and she's, you know, trying to uh, cure her uh, imminent empty nest syndrome that she will experience. So she needs, you know, she wants to have a life herself. So uh, she's out there trying to get it and I don't blame her, but uh I don't think I'm on her mind as much as uh, she's on mine. Um, and every once in a while, she needs that little reminder, and she got it right. Um, so yeah. you, so you were part of the Booster Fashion Show. Um, uh-huh. Did you have any say in the dress that you wore uh, when you were going down the catwalk? Um, not that I recall. You know, uh, no. So that I was the- that was all Brenda. The that was all, costume designer Brenda Maben, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It, I didn't really have a say in, in what I wore. Right, I mean, just the fact that it fit, and I think she wanted it to be a little bit flashier, so that the mother-daughter red suits, you know, the red dresses, kind of the Nancy Reagan kind of uh, matching suits, would be a little more staid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would make Lauren's character more uncomfortable to have to wear that. Um, and certainly it was much more uh, flashy in order to gain your attention in some capacity <laughs> um, to make her jealous, even though she didn't quite admit to being jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I didn't really have any say in that. So and it was uh, a very short runway. <laughs> right. It, well, it was. Uh, and you, you all had to milk it, right, and take short yeah. steps. Uh, do you think anything would have come of Luke and Eva if... Lorelai hadn't said anything at the end? Oh, I think there was definitely interest. Um, no, I don't think so. I think you you probably, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't see what's in front of them because their mind is somewhere else. And I think you were already gone for her in some capacity. So no amount of flirting could have um, convinced you out otherwise. I don't, um, I, don't I don't know what, uh, you know, I don't know what other, uh, interest, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. would have been there. Clearly I was interested. Right, so right, I would have, I right. think you put the kibosh on that. Right. Um, but, um, what else was I going to say? Oh, I, I wanted to talk about just overall how much I love the fact that this show was centered around women's relationships because so many shows are centered around male female relationships and the fact that it's intergenerational mother daughter and that it skips a generation and that the youngest uh, female in the family line is really the oldest soul among them. Uh Um, And that this kind of rejecting the generation that you come from only to find that it's full circle to come back again. Um, And also the strength, you know, I, I love the fact that, um, strong women are a theme with her and women trying to find who they are 
and find their own voice and be the individual that they are, regardless of the age. Um, I just think it's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was happy to kind of represent a certain stratosphere of that and also be someone who's still, obviously, this is a woman who has money, who has, you know, her kids in the right schools, and yet she's still looking for a partner. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just, it was nice that the, the show is driven by the women's voices. Absolutely. Um, um, and I really appreciate that. And that kind of led to Desperate Housewives, which was all driven by the women's voices. Mm-hmm. So, well, we're going to, we're going to get to Desperate Housewives for sure. Oh, okay. Um, we, we we'll, we'll get there. Um, so you have been on Cheers, Dallas, Star Trek, Twin Peaks. Tell me. Oh God, you're going way back. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you've got an impressive list of credits here. Uh, how did you get into acting? You know, it's funny. Um, I started out as a dancer. So when I was a kid, all of my siblings played musical instruments, and my dad was a, a composer, and my mom sang. And so we were a very musical, very literary family. My Both my parents, you know, we're highly educated. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of love and a lot of, you know, books, music, live music in the house, <laughs> lots of books. Um, so I started dancing as a, as a young girl, cause I didn't want to play an instrument that one of my siblings already had picked up. Cause I, I knew I probably wouldn't be as good. Um, the irony is I eventually became a music major and got a, a degree in musical theater. So uh, the dancing led me to singing and the singing and dancing led me to musicals. And I grew up watching all the 1940s musicals and just loved old Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I grew up in the woods in the middle of the Pacific Northwest. And I didn't know any professional actors. I didn't know you could actually do that for a living. I thought, well, that's what you do when you're going to school to have fun. (laughs) Um, But my dad was a college counselor and he came to see me um, in the music man. I was playing Marion. And... um, and my sister, who is very dry, she's a doctor. She's, you know, very cut and dry. Um, she was crying. And my dad looked over at my sister and he looked up at me. And he goes, there's something going on. She's really good at this. You know? <laughs> so he, he basically said, you know, if you want to do this for a living, I think you, you could. He gave me what's called a strong vocational interest blank. And I scored in the 100th percentile of performing arts. Wow. And so he knew I'd be happy doing it. And so I got that little extra push that a lot of performers don't get from their parents. Their parents try to talk them out of it. My dad just basically said, yeah, "Yeah, I think you're strong enough to do this. Mm. And, um, and then the Oregon Shakespeare company came through and Oregon Shakes performed at my high school. And I went, wait a minute, you're not kids. Uh, There's something to this. So I ended up getting a degree in musical theater and later on doing Shakespeare and Mm -hmm. all of that. Mm. Um, and my husband actually ran uh, Shakespeare Santa Monica for nigh on 11 years. Oh, so, my goodness. Um, yeah. yeah wow. so that was how I started. That's, uh, that's interesting. So uh, thing. of all the characters you played, what, which character are you most like? Oh, I like all my characters, even, mm-hmm. even the, the misguided evil ones. Um, no, but which one are you, yeah. you most like? Not oh, the, which one am I most yes. like? Um, at the time probably mary alice i think um i think i was very much um a woman who took care of her friends and sublimated her own needs for others 
and um, ironically had struggled with infertility, which Mark Cherry weirdly uh, intuited. Uh, he didn't know I had, he just put it in the script. And that became one of the main motives for me to adopt this child that I ended up eventually killing his mother. Mm -hmm. um, and <clears throat> I haven't murdered anyone, so I'm not like her in that way. But um, I, think, I think the loyalty that Mary Alice had and the soulfulness and the humanity and um, the, the desire to shine light on, on other people's humanity is probably the closest to me. And you voiced over and narrated 180 episodes of that? Yeah, just a couple. My God. A couple. Wow. It's funny because people who grew up with the show said that, that they hear my voice in their head narrating their life. <laughs> <laughs> Did this lead to a, a, a lot of uh, voiceover work, commercial voiceover work? It must have. Um, it it did initially. Right, yeah, it right. did initially. Mm -hmm. um, but then I found out that there were a lot of people out there that were imitating me that were cheaper uh, to hire. <laughs> so they ended up uh, doing that quite a bit. Um, well, that there's got to be some like intellectual property, property theft uh, cases there. I mean, right? I wish. No, unfortunately. I mean, can't you like send a cease and desist? Like, hey, <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't copy me. That's me. Well, yes, and but um, the character is owned by Disney, actually. So <sighs> I couldn't personally go after them for imitating Mary Alice. Um, right, they, they own the character. Yeah, yeah. But that's your voice. I know, I know. And my weirdly, my voice has always been the thing that's most recognizable. And I don't know if it's because I was a singer or there's a certain tonality, but early on in my career, people would say that they'd be in their kitchen and they'd hear my voice on a commercial and they'd know it was me and they'd come in. And mm -hmm. do commercial. Mm -hmm. So there's something, there's something in the tonality that, that resonates with people. Mm -hmm. I don't know what. Mm -hmm. Don't question it. It works. <laughs> you know, I met Mark Cherry on something. He did it. What was the series he was doing after Desperate? Did he did something after Desperate? Devious Maids? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I met him on that and I, I mistake, I, I thought, he, who was the guy who created um, American Beauty, the film? Oh, that was uh, Alan Ball. I thought that Mark Cherry was Alan Ball for some reason. And I started yeah, waxing. Alan went, on to do, Alan went on to do Six Feet Under that Lauren had done. Right. So I was going on and on. In the meeting, I was going on and on about American Beauty. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and talk oh. about being unprepared for a meeting. Uh, and uh, he looked at me and he goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, at least he said it. At least he called you on it. He said, I said, well, didn't you create, didn't you write uh, um, American Beauty? American Beauty? He goes, no. I said, no, Jesus, I'm sorry. You know, but I really, I appreciate the fact that that's what your brain did because there are certain things in American Beauty that are very much like Desperate Housewives, like the, the roses right. in the bath water, the, right, um, right. the red apple. Like there's, a, there's an Americana aspect yes. to American Beauty mm -hmm. that's that kind of hidden behind the, the garage doors. There's a lot of devious right. stuff going on. Right. I totally get why your brain did that. Right. He didn't, so he, he didn't take it. He didn't take it as a compliment. He, he did not take it that way. Uh, well, 
you know, there you it's go. funny because Mark hadn't seen any of my work before I got Desperate Housewives either. So, uh, you know, uh, it, you can't really. Uh, he said, oh, yeah, I saw you on a CSI episode. And right. I was like, I've been working for 30 years, Mark. Okay. <laughs> See, but that's what it takes. Yeah. You know, it's like if you if you if you have this massive body of work, maybe somebody will see the right thing one time. You know, it's like it's just it's amazing. And now with the amount of content out there, mm-hmm. I mean, there are people who are in the seventh year of a season of something that I've never even watched. And I'm like, wow. Uh, right. How? Right. They're celebrating their 150th episode. It's like I had no idea. Yeah. I wasn't even aware of the series. There's so much content. Exactly. Good God. I there's know. like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of television series. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them myself as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. 
It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know how big the show would become when you began uh, A Desperate Housewives? Did you, did you have an inkling? You know, it's funny because uh, Oprah asked me that same question because she had done a little special up on the lane. And she said, you know, did you know it was going to be this big of a hit? Would you have killed yourself if you knew it was going to be such a big hit? I said, no, of course not. I would have called Suicide Hotline. I could have talked to my friends. Um, I had an inkling. Uh, that that other series on Warner Brothers called The Help That I Was Doing was I was actually tied contractually to that when they did the original round of, of auditions and casting for Desperate Housewives. So I wasn't available for the original casting. Um, but then they recast a couple of characters. And one of them was Mary Alice Young um, because they wanted a, a, a little bit more of uh, just a different voice than than the original cast person cast had and I was actually doing Shakespeare up in Montana at the time and I got the audition and my my managers and my agents said we've heard really good things about this pilot like this is the pilot that everyone wanted to get last season Mm -hmm. and would you be willing to fly down here for an audition and um you know, this is before we ever put ourselves on tape for anything, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. before the pandemic, before all of that technology. Yeah. So I said, yeah, I'm in the middle of, you know, uh, rehearsals, but I could fly down for an audition. And um, and so they got me the audition and I did. And I walked into the room and Mark Cherry was sitting there with Scott Jenkinger and um, Jenny Lowry Johnson and, you know, all the all the people that were involved with the show at the time. And he said, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to close my eyes and just listen to you. And I remember a girl coming out of the audition before I had gone in and she said, oh, they're so nice. They don't even, you know, don't worry about having it memorized because they all have their eyes closed. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh no, I'm going to have it memorized because this is still a performance. And so um, they closed their eyes and I just took them on a journey. Um, like my name is Mary Alice Young and did the whole thing. And afterwards, Mark opened his eyes and he just looked at me and he said, how long is your contract for, for the Shakespeare company? <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's a good sign. And yeah. I said, well, I made them get me an understudy because I had a feeling something like this would happen. Right. 
Good. And he said, we'll be in touch. And then I flew back to do opening night of Midsummer's because I was doing two shows. I was doing Midsummer's and Much Ado About Nothing. And I didn't even get to to mount Much Ado fully. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We were doing in in rotation. And I had to leave before we had opening night for that one Mm. and do the pilot. That's when it happens when you're the most busy. Right. Well, you, they say plan a vacation. Yes. You'll get a job. Yes, that's exactly. That's always the way. Exactly. For me, this was a vacation. Because exactly. it wasn't really a paid job. It was just something for my soul. Um, you know, every so often, Mary Alice would be on the screen, and other times she was the voice of Wisteria Lane. Did you treat the character of Mary, Mary Alice differently on and off screen? Was there a difference? No. Um, actually, it's, it's interesting because I had never... You know, I'm an actor. I'm not a voice actor. So I had to figure out how to act this part because it had to be three-dimensional for me um, in order to, to bring life to it. And for me, it was very interactive, even though the other characters couldn't hear me. Um, I was still very much involved in shaping things with them. And so uh, the process was kind of interesting. We would do a table read just like you do with you know, most sitcoms because Mark had come from that, that, um, that pattern of uh, 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 preparation because uh, you just want to hear your words out loud, you know? Um, so we do the table read, they'd go off to, to film and I'd go down to the, um, the Alfred Hitchcock theater and I would record my voiceover. And before I had done that, I would break down all my beats you know, all my intentions, what I would wanted to do with the line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I do it kind of in the dark, literally. Um, and then the cut would come in and it would be um, either the, the script supervisor's voice on the cut or my voice that had been pre-recorded, kind of placed throughout. And then I'd watch the episode again and I would, I'm so glad I got a music degree because I would find the syncopation and the rhythm of how to tie the line in with what choices the other actors had made. And sometimes my intention would totally change from the the basic, you know, in the dark voiceover read to then what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So it became very interactive for me. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I had such a good time. Interesting. Um, Interesting. And I remember Felicity Huffman once saying, you know, because Mark had her read the Mavo, they called it the Mavo, Mary Alice voiceover, um, had her read it one time because I wasn't there. And she she came away and she said, that's a lot harder than I thought it was. <laughs> it was, it was really sweet. It was really sweet. And she gave me the props on that. Because, you know, people go, oh, well, you're just doing voiceover. It's uh, not really that big a deal. That's you amazing. Um, so we're going to, we're getting toward the end here of our time. But uh, I want to ask you, uh, one last, well, this isn't the last question, but in this, in this segment, it is, uh, where would, uh, in your opinion, Eva and Luke gone on a date? Had they gone on a date? Oh, they probably would have thrown it in, in, um, in Lauren's face a little bit and gone to the, like the restaurant at star hollow or something <laughs> just to kind of, you mean know. gone, gone to the independence Inn for, for lunch. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> gotten just, really drunk. Yeah. <laughs> loud maybe, <laughs> got ta- maybe. got tacky and you know a lot of pda <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been terrible um terrible for her to have to be at work and witness that um would have been I a different series to, but anyway go ahead oh Sorry. totally different yeah. totally different um it wouldn't have been as 
PG. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did want to say I just came off of something that I really love that I'd love to plug. And go ahead. Go ahead. First Street. It's a new series on AMC, uh, written by Peter Moffat, who did Your Honor and The Night of. And I play uh, a prosecutor opposite Courtney B. Vance. Oh wow! And, um, man, I love that, that yeah. actor. He's and great. He's just he's great. He's the best. Yeah, he's the best. I I want to do everything with him now. Um, everything. But but it's a socially relevant piece, particularly what's going on um, kind of on the national level. And I just, I can't wait for people to see it. What's so, it called again? Listening. It's called 61st Street. It's Six, on AMC. Okay. Good deal. Um, it's a joint production with BBC. All right. And excellent. It's coming out in 2022. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I wish you only the best with that. Um, Thank you very much, Scott. It's so nice to see you again. We're, we're not done yet. Uh, we're not done. Oh, we're not. No, we've oh, got it. We got to do rapid fire. We're doing rapid fire now. I'm going to fire a bunch of questions at you. If they, you've, okay. you've got to rattle off the answers very okay. quickly. You ready? I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to jump quickly. So yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Here we go. Ready? Ready? Okay. How do you take your coffee? Uh, with, uh, oh, can you smell snow? No. Right, can you, are you team Logan, Jess or Dean? Do you even know what that is? I don't even understand the question. <laughs> Uh, Logan. Okay. Uh, wrong answer. But anyway, we'll take that. Who's the, who's the daddy? Who's the daddy? Who knocked up Alexis? I mean, Rory. She got oh, pregnant. I don't know. She got pregnant. I, I don't know. In the Netflix series. Yeah. I didn't see it. I'm sorry. Uh, neither did I, but I heard. <laughs> uh, show that you are binge watching right now. Oh, uh, the morning show. Okay. See, I can answer things I know. <laughs> I could, I could talk to you all day. Um, Brenda Strong, what a pleasure! Great catching up. Thank you, you thank you, thank you for coming on, and uh, all the best on Sixty First Street on AMC. Yeah, uh, I hope, it's a, I hope it's a, I hope it's a big hit for you, and uh, maybe we'll talk real soon. Okay, thank you so uh, much. I'd love that. Okay. Thank you so much, Scott. Good to see you. Okay, good seeing you. Have Brenda. fun. This is such a great show. Glad thank, you're doing it. Thank you. Okay. okay. All right. Bye. All right. Love her. That was great. I literally love her. She was great, huh? She is the coolest. Right? She does have she does have that very distinct voice. I know. You know and it's, I it's, think she made I think she made such a good point. She did push Luke and Lorelai together a little bit. Mm-hmm. She does have a soothing voice. She does. It's it's like it's bottomed yeah. out and a little little lower register, but it's still I don't it's a know. Million dollar voice. They're just there's just something so smart about it and so comforting and so mm-hmm. it's not pretentious. Warm. It's not pretentious. Warm. Yes. I agree. It's warm. It's it's a it's an it's it's an interesting combination of things that she brings with her. But that's voice. her too. I mean, people can't see, but her like facial expressions are so comforting right? and she's so, she right. puts off this just kind energy. Right. I agree. Yes. She's very soothing and healing and that's what it is. Um, anyway, we're going to go into this episode a little bit, aren't we? Huh? Yes. Should yeah. we take a break and then come back and really start going off? I think uh, I don't need a break, but if you need a break, uh, cause I know <laughs> one of your yachts is listing in the dock and you've got to call you need to call germany and get that taken care of all right we're going to take a break everybody we'll be right back after these words 
Okay, we're back. Uh, how'd the call with Germany go? The yacht is okay? Is it? Is it properly moored? Everything's good. Okay, good. Everything's good. All right. So did you, there's a lot of celebrity spottings in this episode. Are there? Nicole Eggert from Charles in Charge. She's in the episode? Yeah, she is one of the booster moms with Brenda. I did not not realize Madeline Zima Zima. is the little friend of Rory's that has the book at the end. Oh, sure, sure, sure. She was an ex-puff. She was. She was in the like pick to be a puff. Oh, she was one of those who busted. right. She wasn't a puff. She was being puffed. Right. Yeah, and then she went on to do. Her, I loved her on Californication, mm-hmm. and she's done a bazillion shows. Mm-hmm. So those were a couple good spottings in there. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this episode a little bit. Uh, um, I mean, it's an interesting setup, right? I I really wanted the Rory puff getting puffed and getting in that group to be an episode of its own. I just, I, I, I'm watching the episode. And I'm, I, I want, I latched onto that and I'm like, okay, I, I want to see where this goes. This is interesting. Here's my question to you though, Amy, okay. Danielle, please chime in. The thing that, that, okay. that I don't get, and this just maybe chalk this up to 17 year old naivete. What in the world is Rory doing? helping Paris on any level get into a club that if Paris does get in, is just going to use it as a cudgel against Rory. Such a great question. Why is she helping? It's like, she's so smart. She's such an old soul. As Brenda said, she is just as real as it gets. Why all of a sudden is she helping Paris? Why is she, is she, is she that compassionate a soul? Danielle, you, you go first. I have a thought, but you go first. I think she just recognizes that she wants it so bad. So mm-hmm. she's just like, if, I mean, she's like, I don't care about this, but if this girl cares really bad, I guess I'll help her. Like, I think it's just one of those things that she's just feels kind of bad and is like, if I can help, I'll help. But she's already yeah. been burned by her once, twice. Now this is like third or fourth time. I think she's going to trust so, her again. So nice. I think that Rory has so much confidence in herself and is so nice and sees that Paris is just this like hungry, desperate girl. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know what? I'm so cool that I'm just going to help this girl. And I think ultimately yeah, she's like, you know, it's going to be easier for me if I'm friends with this girl. She's, it's not possible to be friends with her. She's a lunatic. She's certifiable. She can't be See, friends I, with that. No matter what you do, you cannot be friends with that. It I doesn't think Paris work. Is so obvious. I think deep down she isn't mean. She just is so wanting. Oh, I think she deep. I think no. In. I think deep down she is extraordinary. I think she's far more evil deep down no. than we realize. Really, I don't agree because you, you just see it when I th- you can be. You can be both. You know, she's she can be vulnerable and sweet, and there's that side of her. I mean, it depends on which how life comes at you. That develops absolutely, these, but don't you see it that Rory has the mom that told her you're getting kidnapped, put on these cute pajamas, put on some lip gloss so that you look perfect. The money's on the table. Paris doesn't barely have a mom. She has like the nanny. She looks like hell. Great. No one. I get she's it. She's got the bad nightgown and the great knowing acne cream r- on. knowing it's all like, this. Why are you trusting this girl? Why are you talking her up to the puffs? She uh, maybe she just didn't realize at the t- well. No, 
I mean, Paris let her know how powerful the puffs were and how exclusive it was. Maybe Roy just didn't realize the extent of it. I and it was like, it was like, throw this girl a bone. She's like, you know throw what? You're her a so bone pathetic that she's going to use so against her. Awesome. She's going to crush her skull with that bone. Didn't you see how much it meant to Paris? I don't care. Did that? She's, irre- she's not, she's not redeemable in my book. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's so funny. I disagree. I feel like, I, I feel like uh-uh. this one, the fans might disagree too. Uh, I might be on your side. It's happened before. I feel like, What's I mean, you gotta you gotta love Paris. You're like, you know what? She's so sad. See, this is the one time that I as Luke would sit down with Rory and say, Now you can't do that. You can't give your enemies any kind of ammunition to use against you, and this is the ultimate form of ammo. Getting her into a powerful club only to have Paris oust Rory from that club and it's just a higher perch to destroy her from. I don't get it. Maybe, maybe. I mean, where's where's this? Didn't Lorelai teach her any self-preservation skills or any kind of strategic skills? I mean, it's a chess game. What about keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer? Charlie, Charlie, go get that guy. Let's go talk to California. Go talk to that guy. Okay, go. Can we talk about the zit cream? He's a good boy, but he's (laughs) like he's going off a little bit. I mean, are you kidding me? She need yeah, she needs a little talking to by somebody. I mean, you can't just do that. I don't agree. I think Rory's playing Paris perfectly. Very risky. See, she's so, such a loner that she doesn't care. It does it doesn't have any power over her. She doesn't recognize if you don't recognize somebody's power over you, if you're not playing those games, if you don't see the consequences because you don't believe that those consequences have any meaning for you and how and what you're the path that you're on, then I can see it. That's you know, mm-hmm. that's how you can advocate for somebody like that and really not care. So maybe that's the case. I don't know. I think each of these things she's winning Paris over. And I think this meant a lot to Paris. Mm-hmm. Well, that was everything. Yeah. I mean, P- Paris's face was just like, I can't believe I'm sitting here. And she mouthed, thank you. Or like, I can't believe you did this. She mouthed that too. Or like, wow. But that was like, a great, that was you. a great uh, take when, when the first time she was sitting with the puff, she didn't even know who they were in Paris, walked by, looked, <laughs> and then backed <laughs> up. <laughs> that was that good. Was- that was classic. That was classic. So I'm going to admit something to you guys again, Uh-oh. and I'm only doing it. I, I debated this last night when Uh-oh. I was like preparing for the show, if I was going to lie about this. But again, I think it's important. Whoever is writing this once again is accurate because in my high school, we had a sorority mm-hmm. just like the pups. Oh, yeah. In high school? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. The, o- the only part I can't remember, and I actually texted a friend, is I couldn't remember how we got in. And my friend wrote back, tapped. And I'm like, what does that mean? So we had the same thing, and the seniors picked the juniors or something like that. So I think you were in it when you were a junior and a senior. Right. And maybe you got tapped. I don't know what right. that means. I am dead. It wasn't called the Puffs. Ours had a right. different name. We had to streak to get into ours. Wait, you had, that was in high school? 
Was that why you were streaking? You admitted you you streaked. Struck, we streaked. Streak? We streaked a school assembly. We had to streak in front of the whole school. Hey, school. In order to get in. And there was a secret fraternity. Mm-hmm. Was I just not cool enough? Because I have no recollection of this Rob's ever not occurring. <laughs> yeah, we had a secret sorority. So you guys had a secret fraternity in high school, and mm-hmm. you had to streak. We had a streak. Did you get busted? I can't remember. Oh yeah. You got away with it, or you got busted? No, no, no. We got, we got, yeah, we got in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were, like you all got caught and you're all naked, or did uh-huh. they throw you a towel? Well, we, you know, well, we ran across a football field. We gained access through the woods. There was a <laughs> hole in the fence that bordered the football field. We ran across the football field. We jumped a gate. That's where we took our clothes off. And then we ran up, we went up the outside stairs of the auditorium where they, where they, where they had the auditorium. It was an elevated stage and we, somebody had jimmied the door and we ran across the stage. And that was like your initiation. That was the initiation. Then we turned around, we ran back, we jumped over the fence again. We got our, we got our clothes on. We ran across the football field. We went, we went towards the pond. And by the time we got out to the street, there were people waiting. We did not have to do something like that. Apparently we were tapped, which Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means, but I think we just were like picked and there was like, 30 girls that were juniors mm-hmm. and they got to pick 30 sophomores. And then you were in when you were a junior senior. That's kind of all I remember. We didn't have to sneak into the school. There was no bell ringing. Right. Kidnapping does seem, I have like a weird recollection. Like did that happen? Mm-hmm. I just can't remember. Interesting microcosm for life though. And especially college and totally. especially Harvard. Mm-hmm. You'd better get used to that kind of a thing. And it really, mm-hmm. gosh, it really just delineates between, you know, the loner mentality versus the joiner, mm-hmm. right? And and how important that is. And 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 I, I so yeah. loved, my favorite scene in the whole thing was when Roy stood in the pajamas and was just nailing um, uh, the headmaster, head, yeah, the I mean, headmaster, headmaster like, Charles. hey, you, you wanted me to be a joiner. I did it. And now you're sitting here giving me a lecture about what kind of trouble I'm going to get into. I mean, are you kidding me? And he just backed down. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. She is such yeah, I a, she, that was good. She has such a good head on her shoulders and she is so geared for success at such an early age that I don't know how it all went wrong. Well, and what about the parallel, although different, because when Lorelai goes in to see Headmaster Charles, he's like, you don't, you're not involved. You mm-hmm. need to be involved. Mm-hmm. But she had a different experience in that I think she sort of enjoyed it. And she was so successful at mm-hmm. what she did. Mm-hmm. And it bonded Emily and Lorelai. Right. I mean, to me, that my, I laugh so hard. At Emily doing her uh-huh, uh-huh. fashion modeling and Laura, I laughed. I watched that episode twice because I love it so right. much. And then Lorelai looking at her mom like, "What in the hell are you doing?" Right. And then okay, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> but it, it spawned the most poignant line of the whole uh, episode when when Emily was so pleased and she says, "Interesting how you're fitting into yeah. a world that you ran away from." Yes, I mean just wow. Wow. Um, and it's true. You do have to get involved. You have to get, parents have to get involved in their kid's school. It's just, it, it has to be done. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't do it, it's going to affect your kid. And they're a hundred percent right about that. Cause we're, you know, we're very involved in our kid's school. We have to be. 
Yeah, <laughs> we're you a little too that. involved. <laughs> well, I do see a turkey drawing behind you. Oh, yeah. Is that a turkey? Yeah, that's my you? that's my guy. It's really good. That's really my good. guy. No, parents do. It's true. <clears throat> and then it's that fine line of like being that weird, freaky parent that's too involved, or the Lorelai that wasn't doing anything. It's that weird dance of mm -hmm. like. Yeah, my mission. But yeah, they portray this stuff super accurately. I thought so too. Even though it yeah. seems highfalutin, it's like it's not pretty yeah. spot on. And I really, you know, I love those girls. I love the puffs. That's the I want to see that movie. That's a I movie. I literally right there. love the puffs too. I love the puffs. I mean, that to to keep up that level of dialogue and snobbery. That's a film I want to see. I want to see that film. And yes, the ping-ponging at that uh -huh. table. I mean, I love when the girl's like, doesn't her he... name is Lem. <laughs> and then she says to Rory, like, interesting name. And Rory's like, well, Lem, yeah. what can I say? And it's just like, Rory is so like, I am i don't even care about you fools. I'm not trying to impress you. Well, Lem, what can I say? Right, right. It's um, so good. Um, yeah, very interesting episode. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, what else can we unearth in this? Yeah, I, well, I mean, Luke, I, I think there's some real important stuff here for Luke because one is he comes with his toolbox, Bert, to save the day when the, you know, runway is, is tilting. And I love that she says toolbox dirty or whatever. Some, there was some real quick line. Why though? <laughs> why is that line there? Why is she the saying, this? what oh is God, she, why is she saying this? You didn't like that line, but I, I do. I love it. But why is she saying it? it what is flirty, it? Flirty flirt flirt. Okay. She's but why is flirty, the, flirt, why flirting. is the character saying this to him? She's not, supposed to not really be aware, according to my premise, that she has feelings for him. Why is she even saying that to him? Because it's so like second nature to her because she ha has feelings for him. Is she so utterly lost patience with this guy? Like, Get off the pot and ask me out, pal. What's going on? Is that no, what it is? I no, I don't think so. I think so. Why the flirty, flirty? Ooh, dirty. You know what is that? Because you're like so cute, and she likes what? you. Like you're. Oh, good lord. Luke is a total babe, and so she's so, so so she's completely objectifying the guy. No, she just likes you, but she's just not ready to like go there yet you don't have any relationships well you're like a married guy now but like so, the, so there are no other qualities that she covets about this character other than you think he's cute no that's she loves everything about him okay he's, the loyalty she, the, the the friendship suffering he's and silence the guy, he's the guy she calls for everything uh -huh. can you help me fix the runway mm -hmm. my father's in the hospital i need you i need you for this i need you for this she wants to help you with jess Interesting Jess wasn't in this episode, but anyway. How does a woman like that think that she can even have a relationship with a guy like that? They, oh God, like I, they describe him in the beginning as Mr. Monosyllabic. You think no, that's positive? Really, you think that's a positive? I mean, she's the most verbal human being in the world. And here so I'm like, Luke. no, he's not. He is yes. Not. Look at the scene at the end. He, this is why she loves him. Cause he, cause because he can he, spar with her when he wants to. Mm -hmm. And he pushes back. Mm -hmm. He doesn't just go like we talked about in the beginning of this episode. He doesn't say, don't worry, Lorelai. Like I I'm not going out with her. 
he lets her spin and pushes back like the nerve of you to tell me who I can and can't date and does this whole thing knowing full well he doesn't want to date Eva. Mm-hmm. He wants Lorelai. Right. It's genius. And it's so real. I think these two piss each other off in a way that love each other, but that's the love, right? I mean, you can't get pissed off unless you have these deep feelings for somebody. You know why they love each other? In my opinion, tell me they are completely who they are with each other. Mm-hmm. They let they let never, they they let each other be who they really are. Yes, they can, she would right. never be that vulnerable to say, "I really don't think you should uh, date this Chilton mom." Right. With anybody else, she has to say, "Like, you know, I just think I don't want to mix this with that." When you know, she's just she's not being totally raw and saying, "Like, I'm going to be so jealous if you date her," but she's still doing the thing so, to say like, I really don't think you should. Date so they're both confused as to whether they're friends or boyfriend and girlfriend, right? Of course. Like they, course. it's like these, those two lanes that they travel and they, sometimes they, one is in the boyfriend, girlfriend lane. The other one's in the friendship lane and there's tension. Right. Right. Which Everybody is so gets confused. Normal. Mm-hmm. I think most married, successful married couples often start out this way. Mm-hmm. Danielle, did you and your husband, John, who I believe were friends before you got married, do this? Yes. And my husband, John, was very much Luke in this relationship where he had a crush on me for a little while and then finally figured it out. (laughs) How did he go from friends to next level? Well, this is just TMI, but whatever. Um, (laughs) He um, told me he really liked me. And then I said, I'm so sorry. You're just like my best friend. I don't want to cross that, that line. And then we were at a club and some girl was flirting with him. And I, in the, it was, it was out of a movie, you guys. It was out of this episode of Gilmore Girls. I literally went into them on the dance floor, went like this turned to John and was like, yeah, I think I like you. Can we go on a date? And just totally squashed it. And then, yeah, and now we're married. Oh, my God. That's it's a literally great story. straight from this episode. Wow. Because Eva is the girl that you saw flirting with your husband. Totally. Wow. Totally. Wow. I mean, how, how epic is the line when Lorelai says, he's talking to Luke about Eva, and he's all, oh, she goes, she mentioned earlier that you uh, don't make her, you know, gag. <laughs> this one, this that whole scene, make her misses backwards baseball cap. I mean, that whole scene. God, I love that. I think I'm getting to the point where I want to smack both of them and just, you know, get. To, oh, that's so funny. Get together. I, I couldn't get together. I no, I. I'm ready to keep it. See, this is why the fans were losing their minds because it's like, it's enough already get together. And they still have to, we still have to wait a couple more seasons for this to happen. Good. Right. Good. Good. I could watch this. I could watch that all day long. Talk about milking the cow. Mrs. Backward baseball cap. I mean, it's, that's a, that's a lot of milk coming out of this cow. Let me tell you, they're milking that. Um, I love that Emily Gilmore had a barbecue and those two go right for the corn on the stick and are just like sitting outside ready to just be stoked on their barbecue. It's so good. Funny. And notice, notice the wardrobe. uh, Now that we're like all wardrobey, 
uh, Emily's wardrobe in that scene with that collar on her shirt. Totally. Very queen. Should we add queenly? Oh very queenly. I feel like we have to add something moving forward now. Our favorite fashion piece mm-hmm. of the episode because. Mm-hmm. Hands down, mm-hmm. mine was Lorelai's blue button-down blouse. I even think I I remember watching this in 20 years ago, trying to find this blouse. And it had like ruffly sort of tuxedo-ish, kind of 70s tuxedo-ish going down here. And then on the, the sleeves, the cuff also had the ruffles and it was light blue and buttoned down with like pearl buttons. In this episode? Yes. Okay. I I... I'm obsessed with that shirt she was wearing. Mm-hmm. Obsessed. Uh, yes, everybody moving forward, you have to pick your favorite fashion. No, movie. for me, it's Emily's uh, white shirt with that, that flared out collar. Yeah. Because that's her. Was that, good. that that, that was, was good. you know, that, that harkens back to, you know, Scottish and British queens, uh, that kind of look. Um, Danielle, did you have a favorite? I'll say Rory's cake pajamas. Oh, the Nick and Nora, Nick and Nora PJs. Those were big. I wonder if they're still around. I'm going to look that up. Mm. Keep talking while I find out. Um, And how many moons ago, Danielle, was this, uh, this event that took place with your husband on the dance floor? with? Oh my gosh. Um, We've been together 10 years. Oh my goodness. So 10 years ago, a long time ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When we all realize we're just doing parts of episodes of Gilmore Girls, it's, it's amazing, isn't <laughs> we're it? We're all just living in the we're just living world. In the- <laughs> Interestingly, Some, somebody's taking I, notes. It's not as easy to find Nick and Nora pajamas as mm-hmm. it used to be. Mm-hmm. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up... (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Should we do a little pop culture? Although I know it's going to be sad for everybody because Danielle's filling in. Let's, know, let's do pop sorry, culture. Everyone. No, 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 no. Hey, it's uh, you never give know. Give me your best shot, Dan. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give it my best shot. Don't write a bad review about me, please. No, just, please. just don't, don't <laughs> try to look. Uh, let me give you some advice please here. Do. Let me give you some advice. Don't try to fill Riley's shoes. Just wear I'm your not. own. Just wear your own <laughs> shoes. As long as somebody, okay. as long as you're wearing your shoes, you're good. Put in my own. And by shoes. all means, feel free to write a review of good. Danielle's pop Good luck. Because I get so much joy. People, I am reading all the Instagram comments and I read all the reviews. I love it. All of it. Especially when you're like, I hate Amy. (laughs) Okay, here we go. This is Danielle. Wait, hold on. No. Hi. No. How does Riley start it? I'm Danielle. No, she starts it (laughs) with her name's Riley. Hi, I'm Riley. She doesn't say she's Danielle. Okay. No, but hi, I'm Danielle filling in for Riley. And this is your pop culture. Okay. Lorelai says... Maybe he has a secret. Maybe he's got a little chippy stowed away in Mount Pilot. And this is when Lorelai talks about Luke to Rory in the diner. That's got to be, uh, that's so, got to be Andy Griffith show. Yep. Yeah. You know, am I right? Mount, uh, you're, you're right. I'm looking Mount for, Pilot. I didn't even look. Thank you very much. Mount Pilot is a fictional town in the Andy Griffith show. There you go. The Andy Griffith show ran on CBS from 1960 to 1968. During the time of the show, Andy is visited three times by... The fun girls, Skippy and Daphne. Each time they cause trouble, it seems they are who Lorelai is referencing to. 
a little bit of trivia. Ron Howard, who later became so well-known for being Richie Cunningham, played Andrew Griffith's son on the show, and his character's name was Opie. Now, a little chippy is not the most appropriate thing to say, so I'll just put that out there. Who's, it means a, it yeah. means a promiscuous woman. A little chippy, huh? Who said, who said that about who? It's, that's what she says. She says, I think he's got a little chippy in... Mount Pilot. Well, what, is it Mount Pilot? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's what. Yeah. So what? That's so what. Yeah, it's okay. She, it's Lorelai saying it. I know it's a little inappropriate. I don't know. That's good. Oh, that's a good <laughs> Speaking line. Speaking of a chippy, um, <laughs> a <little> Rory <laughs> says, "Suddenly, I'm living with Jaja Gabor." When oh, Lorelai, she's not a chippy. Kinda, kind half chippy, half chippy. <laughs> <laughs> And this is when Lorelai goes on about the batteries and um, what she wouldn't do with them. Uh, so Jaja Gabor, boys. Wait, p- pause. Scott, let me tell you this. Danielle and I had to practice saying Jaja Gabor. Why? Nine times. Why? What? It, at first, Danielle called her Zaza, Zaza. Gabor. Zaza, Zaza Gabor? Gabor. Yeah, Jaja. She was I very. I did my homework she, practice. She was extremely famous in the 60s and yeah. 70s. She was she was she was a twin sister. There was Jaja and there was Ava, Hungarian right. bombshell right. sisters. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. Hello, darling. They they were on uh, <laughs> they were on. Wait a minute. They were on uh, Green Acres. She was on Green Acres. So that's what I was Green trying to Acres remember. Green Acres is a place. Stupid. That's what I was trying to remember. I'm looking that up. She married. It was Ava. It was Ava, Ava was married a farmer, and she lived on a farm. But she was like, you know, Miss. She was fancy. She was fancy, Miss Lux of the she world. She married Eddie Albert. She met her, and yeah. it was Ava, not Jaja, who was on Green Acres. Right. But yes, right. I knew it. Eddie Albert gave one of the best dramatic, dramatic comedy drama mm-hmm. performances in uh, the Charles Grodin Sybil Shepherd film uh, called The Name Escapes Me. But they did a remake of it. Um, the only Charles Grodin film I can name is that one about the dog. What? No, 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 no. There was a movie where Charles Grodin, and we're getting off the <laughs> subject here, but there's a movie where Charles Grodin got married to a woman in New York City, went on her, went on their honeymoon to Florida, right to Miami, and he met an eighteen-year-old Sybil Shepherd. <laughs> Amy, are you talking about Beethoven? No, yes. no, you're talking about Beethoven. What's what? What's the movie I'm talking about? What's the you're name? You're not. Hold on, I'll find it. Find the movie. I am talking about Beethoven. I think Charles Grodin died. So yes, he did. R.I.P. God rest his soul. Beethoven. But what was what was the film? It was a Mike Nick. It was a Mike Nichols film. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Brilliant. I love Mike Nichols. The Heartbreak Kid. The Heartbreak Kid. The original version of the heart. The original film is so searingly painful and funny. And Eddie Albert played Sybil Shepherd's father from Minnesota, and the scene of them sitting at the dinner table. With Eddie Albert questioning who this man was and the wife, he says, "He goes, sir, sir, no, I met your daughter on the beach, and and uh, you know, I I I became quite enamored, and uh, um, and you know, I've just gotten married, and my wife are down here on our honeymoon, and I, I'm I'm going to break up with my wife because I fell in love with your daughter, and he's just Eddie Albert just looks at her like, what did you just say, young man? (laughs) What did you?" And he was going to kill him at the dinner table. 
Eddie Albert's a very fine actor. Anyway, he was the star of Green Acres with Ava Gabor. Continue so, telling us about Zsa Zsa. That's never so going to make we the were, final. When, edit, we were, when Amy and yes, I were... It won't, it won't make it. <laughs> I just have a feeling it's not going to make it. Because I think at the end of that story, it's like the fingers were going down the side of the cliff. and they were, <laughs> It is good. Right. We're keeping it all. All right. All right. <laughs> so when Amy and I were doing research about this, we were, we were, Amy had said, she's kind of like the Paris Hilton yes. of that time. But more, and but then, yeah, okay, right, maybe a little, but they, but wait for it. Wait till you then find out what we, we found, found out. out that Jaja was married to Conrad Hilton. Oh yeah. And wow. he had changed her name to Georgia claiming he couldn't and wouldn't pronounce her Hungarian first name. So was Conrad Hilton Paris's grandfather grand grandpa who started the whole hilton franchise yeah. hmm. so weird um trivia Little there tidbit i love it okay next one lorelei uh says yeah look that albert give me a soda and this is when rory comes into the kitchen asking what happened with the headmaster uh, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids is an American animated television se- series created, produced, and hosted by Bill Cosby, who also lent his voice to a number of characters, including Fat Albert. In 2004, Keenan Thompson played Fat Albert in that film. And fun fact, Denise Richards filmed a cameo as a store stale- saleswoman and was seen in the original trailer, but her scene was actually deleted from the final cut. Do you know, do you know the Fat Albert, the famous Fat Albert line? Can you, can you do Fat Albert? Can you do everybody? I used to know this. What is it? Hey, 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 it's Fat (laughs) Albert. Right, right? (laughs) That was good. Wow. I mean, you know, we're dropping some names here today, aren't we? Oh my I got God. some more names for you. Go so ahead, uh, this is when Rory is chatting with the puffs at lunch. Rory says, Sandra Day O'Connor was a puff. And Francie goes, well, no, well, no one has proof. It's just folklore. Mm-hmm. Ivy then says like Snow White and Rosie Red. And Rory goes, or Mariah Carey's crack up. Um, so Sandra Day O'Connor, we don't consider pop culture because she was a historical figure. But we will talk about Snow White and Mariah Carey. Snow White and Rosie Red is a German fairy tale. The Snow White in the original story is not the same character as the one in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Mariah Carey, I think everyone knows who, who she is, um, but the reference could be referencing her breakdown on Total Request Live back in 2001. And you are about to hear her iconic song, All I Want for Christmas is You, for the rest of December. So <laughs> get ready. <laughs> Such a good one. You can't get away from it. Uh, it's like you can't get away from that song or Kevin Hart. You just you, every time you turn oh around, gosh, there's, there's so Kevin, Hart. Kevin Hart. You can't get away from him. I often ask myself, how is that guy doing so many things? I'd say, like he is. There's got to be the new Ryan he, He's got to be the three of them, right? It's totally, totally. Next one, Rory goes. I'll tell you, she's a regular Gary Mule deer, and this is when Rory tells the puffs all about Paris. Um, so Gary Mule Deer is an American comedian and country musician. Mule Deer was once roommates with comedian Steve Martin and musician Michael Johnson. He has performed on every major concert stage in the country. Rory goes, I end up here with the Yaya sisterhood. And Rory <laughs> is telling Headmaster why she was in the situation she was in with the Puffs. Um, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood is a 1996 novel written by Rebecca Wells. The 2002 film stars Sandra Bullock, Ellen Burstyn, and James Gardner. 
and the divine secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood has been compared to Desperate Housewives, which circles back nicely to our guest today, Brenda. Uh, Rory, Rory goes, great movie. Oh, wait, that was Coming Home. Sorry. And this is when the pops were getting to know Rory. Coming Home is a 1978 American romantic drama war film. The opening scene where the vets in the hospital are talking was actually unscripted. They were real Vietnam vets discussing their own views about the, the war. John Voight was supposed to have added to the dialogue, but out of respect, he stayed silent and listened. Um, next one. Uh, this is with Lorelai. She says, I told him that he was completely out of line with his treatment of you, that you are not alone a freak. You have plenty of friends and you don't own a long black leather matrix coat. <laughs> <laughs> and as everyone knows, um, the matrix is an iconic action film from 1999. Kim Barrett is an Australian costume designer and uh, she was a regular collaborator with the Wachowskis and was a costume designer for the Matrix films. Keanu Reeves was dressed in tight-fitting clothing to make him feel more confined in everyday life. Um, and Keanu Reeves, Joe Pant Pantoliano, and Lawrence Fishburne are weirdly all left-handed. <laughs> and last fun fact about the Matrix, Leonardo DiCaprio turned down the role, and David Schwimmer was also a front-runner for the role of Neo. Did you tell the part that Keanu Reeves gave like everyone a million dollars? More than that. He gave away so he, he gave away, away seventy five million dollars to the crew. I love Keanu Reeves so much. Oh my god. He is the Speed best. is like my one of my top five ever movies. And Leonardo and DiCaprio I, gets offered everything first. <laughs> and he was actually in this episode too. There was a shout out to Leonardo DiCaprio in um this episode. He, can you watched. imagine all the films that he's offered and he has to say no to? Danielle, you're no Riley, but you're not terrible. I'm not bad. I'm telling you, man. She's you know, she's it bringing wasn't terrible. It got a little boring there at one point. I forget which one where I was like, this is boring. But otherwise, good job. <laughs> we're not done yet, though. You were oh, like, what? Let me go faster. Rory says there's a bad draft over here where I usually say it. it's kind of like a big downward gust. It's not exactly Toto. We're not in Kansas anymore. Um, obviously, Toto, she's referencing the dog in The Wizard of Oz. Um, Toto was a dog named was a, a dog named Terry and Terry was a terrier. <laughs> Weird fun fact, Terry the Terrier earned $125 a week on the set of Wizard of Oz compared to Judy Garland who made 500 per Terry was week. pretty well paid back then. It's but, not bad. Uh, if I was getting paid five hundred dollars and the dog was getting paid one twenty five, I'd be like, "What's like, the wait, that's not, I'm saying not. the dog was getting well paid. Nineteen thirty nine, one hundred and twenty five a week was like in today's money. That's like five, six, seven thousand bucks a week. I know. That's what guys. It's huge. That's why the dog was paid well. Huge. Judy yes. Garland, maybe not so much. Yes, I would be it's kind huge. of upset if I was Judy. That movie terrifies me still. The Wicked Witch of the West, the green one. God, uh, when I was a kid, I know, tear, right? Yeah. yeah, that gave me nightmares like, too. Totally. Yeah, that's one of my first memories of like having a. That's my first movie of like being afraid yeah, me of too. a movie. Yeah, me too. Like I could not look. Yep. That and the Incredible Hulk. And, no, Anything in green was real scary. No, it was that and To Kill a Mockingbird, Robert Duvall. Oh, that scared you? Yeah, it scared the crap out of me. 
The Hulk. Oh. The Hulk really oh. freaked me out. Okay, two more guys. Bo Radley. Get on with it. Luke says, where's Barry Manilow? Um, Barry wrote the Like a Good Neighbor State Farm jingle. Don't know if anybody knows that, but if you don't, now you do. Um, He received multiple Grammy nominations, but Copacabana earned him his only Grammy Award in 1979. Um, Weirdly, this past summer, Gary performed at CNN's New York City Homecoming concert. I saw this. He was about to sing I Made It Through the Rain. And it started to rain. I saw this live. <laughs> and they literally canceled the concert. <laughs> so good. The behind the scenes that day of that concert was better than the concert. Because they like just, CNN just started like FaceTiming Anderson Cooper in the studio from like dressing rooms. It was so good. Okay, uh, last one. Paris says, maybe someday I'll stumble into a Disney movie and suddenly be transported into your body. Obviously, she's talking about Freaky Friday. Uh, Freaky Friday is a 1976 fantasy comedy film starring Jodie Foster. Um, Freaky Friday was made in 2003 with Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan. Um, There's this one scene where they're auditioning uh, to be part of a concert. And you um, might have missed this because I missed it. And Amy reminded me. It was to be a part of iHeartRadio's iconic Wingo Tango concert. Mm -hmm. So bringing it back to the iHeartRadio family, really fun fact um, there. And then uh, last fun fact for Freaky Friday, when Jamie Lee Curtis found out that Lindsay Lohan um, was going to be playing her daughter and that she had starred in The Parent Trap, she asked, which twin did she play? (laughs) Not knowing that Lohan performed both. Classic. And okay. that's your pop culture, guys. Good pretty job. Good. A little long, Danielle, a little long, but pretty good. So Here's my listen. favorite lines. Here's my favorite lines Go I have ahead. with you. Go ahead. I told you not to become a soch, but you didn't listen. Lorelai said that. I loved your work in Pisa. Lorelai also said that. Lorelai also said, she mentioned earlier that you didn't make her, you know, gag. Then you two get in the heated fight and she says, make her Mrs. Backwards baseball cap for all I care. I loved that. Mm-hmm. And then I love Rory's line of, well, Lem, what can you say? Huh. I mean, this I could have had 20 favorite lines. Danielle, go ahead. I had the backwards baseball cap one, but I always come prepared with a backup. So <laughs> mine is from Michelle, and he says, I'm not speaking to Carol. She ate my low-fat cheese. <laughs> okay. Mine are, I'm going to say my favorite line in this whole thing was my line. Thank you very much. When Lorelai says, oh, Luke, can you give us some service? He said, keep your pants on. Yes. It made me laugh. It did. It made me laugh. Uh, And that defines their relationship. Uh, My second favorite was uh, Michelle with the, uh, when they're negotiating on the phone, I'll do it if you get me some American cheese. The cheese, American (laughs) cheese. And um, what is it? Uh, a A mango cookie or a meringue cookie? I don't know. One of those. Funny line. Well, Great line. We'll look it up. I like that Danielle and I have to write our lines down, but Scott, being that he's an actor, can do them from his head. <sighs> Guys listening, I'm telling you, every single episode you've heard, Scott can remember the line and doesn't look at notes, whereas Danielle and I are like <laughs> rustling papers, going through emails to find our written down line. Just a little <laughs> behind the scenes. We call that BTS, guys. <laughs> Danielle, maybe if you unmute, we unmute. can hear you. Yeah, we can't hear Keep you. Keep that in. But that was Danielle's good sign language. Good sign language. <laughs> and if she's completely muted, like a, uh, like a fool who doesn't 
And it was the most insightful thing she's ever said. What happened, right? (laughs) What I was trying to say is I also have to rewind the episode 10 hundred different times just to make sure I got the the quote right. Same. Same, Danielle. Really? Same. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's gonna that's gonna wrap this episode. Uh, it's a little long. We know it's a little long. A little long. A little but long. Uh, Brenda was great. And uh, what can you do? What are you gonna do? You know, when you got a Brenda Strong, how are you gonna top that? Exactly. And we're sitting here desperately trying to top episode. it. Oh, do you want me to tell you who the special guests are next week? Yeah, sure. Your friends. Who? Matt. Matt and Angela Lanter. Oh, cool. Yes. Oh, that's really everybody cool. Everybody will find out why. Oh, that's Scott really cool. Has a special I, affinity for for Angela and Matt. Lander. Oh, I love these love these guys. Um mm-hmm. anyway, uh so next week the ins and outs of ins we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. Thank you everybody uh for downloading. You're the best fans on the planet. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram at I am all in podcast and email us at Gilmore at iHeartRadio.com. Oh, you Gilmore fans, if you're looking for the best cup of coffee in the world, go to my website for my company, ScottyP.com, S-C-O-T-T-Y-P.com, ScottyP.com. Grade one specialty coffee. Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.